Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Ron Kitchens, who is the senior partner and CEO of Southwest Michigan First, founder of Catalyst University Leadership Conference, and the author of several books. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. If this is your first time, welcome. It is great to have you. If you're a longtime listener, thanks so much for your continued support. I hope this podcast is of value and helps you in your faith journey. In today's conversation with Ron Kitchens, we talk about his background and facing adversity as a youth and a child, and then finding his faith, uh, growing in his in his journey, and then shifting into business and how business and and also writing through his books um, have become a major part of his life. We look at some of his skills uh, that he's developed and is instilling into his employees, and how Southwest Michigan First has become uh, noteworthy and received many awards on being a great small business. Uh, I'm very excited for this episode with Ron Kitchens and hope that you enjoy. Without further ado, I'm going to turn it on over to my conversation. Ron, thanks so much for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast. Oh, thanks, Tyler. I look forward to being with you. Yes, my pleasure. Absolutely. Um, so I, th- I think where I'd, I'd like to start off first is your, your upcoming release, which I know uh, is uh, exciting in your life and uh, across the past few months and will be for the next few months, um, Uniquely You. So can you, can you tell us a bit more about uh, what you hope this book will convey to, to its readers? Yeah, so thanks for that. Um, you know, Uniquely You came out of um, really this idea that um, – no one wants to buy a fake. We spend our lives, you know, spending time on Instagram or, you know, all these so these social media softwares that tell us that, you know, everybody's all-star real, everybody's highlight real. We see a world that we just can't keep up with. Mm. And the reality is we start trying to copy that because we don't know what we really want. Mm. We don't know what we're uniquely called for. And so it's easier to be a fake somebody else than it is to be a unique ourselves. And over the, the last 30 plus years in, in business and philanthropy and in as an elected official, as a United States Senate staffer, what I found was that um, people all had the same fears. They fear of being left out, the fear of not being accepted, the fear of not knowing how to thrive, which cause, has caused them to be fakes, to try to copy somebody else's unique journey. Well, the truth is what you're seeing online today isn't real. It's not mm. any realer than the movies that you see on the Internet. These, mm. these influencers mm. are carefully crafted and built around mm. this idea that, um, that they just want to um, convey an image that's not true. We get calls, and you know, over the course of a year, we'll have between six and 8,000 people who go through some kind of training and development with this people's unhappiness because of 
their anxiety. And it really comes out of this fear that they don't know who they're called to be. So they're fakes of somebody else that then end up making them more unhappy. Well, there's a pretty quick journey to being unique in you. And that's what we try to describe in the book. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I, I, I can definitely see um, the, the definitely the rise of technology, technology and social media, as you had mentioned, Instagram influencers and uh, um, putting on this show that's hard to keep up with. And I think it can be, especially if you're if you're somebody that's looking to uh, to be an entrepreneur or you're looking to kind of make a mark in, in your particular industry or wherever you might be, um, Sometimes the best information or what you think is the best information is uh, is that which is obviously is going to be most appealing or attractive to you and which is, e- you know, easiest or, or quickest to, to grab your attention. Um, and I think just this 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 uh, this mindset can be detrimental of not fully understanding your unique giftings and talents. Um, can you can you elaborate a bit more into what makes someone unique? You mentioned that. We all have these different callings, but we're not always sure uh, what that what that looks like, or even kind of where where to begin that process. Yeah, so I uh, we refer to it in our our office and our team as the Olivia Pope question. So Olivia Pope was the as a fictional character on the TV show Scandal, and yeah. in the early episodes of the show, she asked the same question every time to all of her clients: What do you want? What do you want? And they never could answer it. They knew they were unhappy. They knew they had a problem, but nobody knew what success felt like and what it looked like. And so as leaders, as as whether you're young in your leadership or you're at the point leader in maturing, we all struggle with what do we want at this time? Whether it's you've achieved all your goals and you just don't know what's next, or you don't even know what the roadmap is to get to the next place. Um, until you figure that out, um, you'll never be happy. And so once you figured out what you want, you, you're gifted with the abilities to achieve that. And sometimes it's not going to be easy, but trying to be a fake somebody else certainly is not the roadmap to success. You know, God put in each one of us the abilities, the strengths, the talents required to achieve what needs to be required in our lives, but um, but it's unique to us. And so we have to use the experience that we've had to achieve this. I spent the first 40 years of my life terrified that people would find out that I grew up in abject poverty, that neither of my parents finished the eighth grade, that you know, my father was um, has dyslexia or had dyslexia, same form that I have, but in fact, he never learned to read and it cost him his life. I worried that they'd find out that my mom was 15 years older than I am. I worried that, that I was having great success, but if people really knew who I was, would they still wanna be my friend? Would they still wanna do business with me? Would they still want me to be the treasurer of our church? And until I was willing to accept myself for who I am, and to share that openly, that's when success truly magnified itself. When I was used the experience that God gave me, the, the things that make me unique, my dyslexia 
in fact, is not a negative. Now, I, I struggle with spelling. I can't spell anything because of it, but I um, systematically see things. I have strategy that only comes with this form of dyslexia that I have. So it's a gift, not a negative. But when you've spent your whole life being told you're dumb, um, it sure seems like something negative. So as as leaders, we've got to embrace the things that make us unique because those are the things that other people will value. Absolutely. And and so it sounds like it, it, you're coming back to this point of this place of acceptance, which everybody is it, or a lot of people are finding this uh, this fear of being left out or this fear of this this difference, but a difference in a negative way of seeing who we are and uh, what makes us unique and seeing that as something that's not uh, not beneficial for us or something that we should we should kind of put to the side and, and neglect but rather it sounds right. like it's an acceptance and and actually an affirmation that this is this is this is this is for you for a reason and it's leaning into that and knowing that there's there is good that can come from this absolutely and it's you know it's a bit of and i'll butcher the quote there's an einstein quote that says you know, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend its whole life believing it's stupid. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is, if you are gifted to climb trees and climb trees, but if you're gifted to swim, don't go trying to climb a tree because you saw it online or because the world told you that tree climbers are better than swimmers. Go be the best you because that's where happiness comes from and that's where contentment and that's where you're honoring your creator mm. in achieving what only you can do because you are the unique person. Right, right. Can, can you um, share, you, you mentioned a bit into your, your background growing up with your parents and, and facing these different challenges, um, but, but also blessings. Can you explain how faith has been part of your life, uh, kind of how it's developed or wh where that, when that became uh, a big part of your life? Yeah, so um, for me, um, like a lot of people, you know, my, my faith journey is, is clumsy some days, but, you know, it really started a few years after my dad died. Um, a group of men, three men, um, showed it up at the door of our house in this little rental house we were in. And it was Christmas time, and they left a box of food. They left Christmas dinner. And in that box of food, along with the turkey and stuffing and instant mashed potatoes and canned cranberry sauce and some fruit cocktail was a can of mandarin oranges hmm. and that can of mandarin oranges uh, in the ozark mountains in the 1970s was something pretty special to be saved and the truth is we probably didn't really know how to eat it it but it was just too special when you grow up in poverty there's a hierarchy to when you're moving because you're always moving because there's a bill collector chasing you or you can't pay the rent mm -hmm. and so you always take the paperwork to prove that you have government you can get government support but the next thing you take is the food then if there's room you take the clothes there's usually never room for toys so that can of mandarin oranges became for me that symbol and it always moved with us and it became the symbol that I was loved. Now, I didn't know it was a Christian love. I, I don't think I'd been into a church by that point in my life. 
And it wasn't for a few years later that I realized these men were from a church and they didn't do it because we were poor. They did it because they were called to serve. And so there's been a can of mandarin oranges with me from that day forward. In every wow. desk I've ever had is a can of mandarin oranges. In every, um, every new employee who joins us, I talk about my obligation to serve um, those that are different than me, that I don't know, that uh, I don't have a lot in common with. But because three men from a church served me because they were called to serve mm. that I'm that that passed on that obligation to me and that really has um informed my my faith journey wow. that um you know I I believe I'm called to love people um irregardless of who they are what they are it's not my it's not my responsibility to judge them it's my responsibility to serve them the same way those three men from a church we didn't attend, um, came to my house and served my brother and my mother and I. Mm -hmm. Wow! And so you're, you're you're already speaking a bit into where I was, where I want to go next, um, and just in terms of how faith has impacted the way that you're engaging in, in business as a leader and an entrepreneur. Uh, and and as you mentioned, it sounds like it starts just from this this extension of love through the through giving a, a can of mandarin oranges. How, how I know Southwest Michigan First has been, um, has received numerous awards for um, one of the best places to work. How, how do you, th you know, how do you think about this culture formula and, and kind of creating this atmosphere that's so attractive um, to, to people when they are, you know, looking to, looking for employment? Yeah, so for us, and, and thanks for that question, because we have been named, um, a couple of different times, the best small business in America to work for, mm. most recently by Outside Magazine. Um, we have a feature about us in Inc. coming out about our employment. and um, But for us, it's about um, empowerment. It's about this idea that you take amazing people and you empower them, you nurture them, you support them, but you let them play in their strengths. You know, not that everybody doesn't have to take out the trash once in a while. We all have to do the jobs that just don't give us energy. But if you believe that each one of us was uniquely gifted at birth, that our birth isn't an accident, that we are planned, that our creator knows the number of hairs on our head, if you believe all that, then you have to believe that each one of us is unique and different. And if we are in fact that way, why wouldn't we want people to work with us who are doing the unique, amazing things that only they can do? And so for us, it's a long process of finding people who are hyper gifted at what, um, what we need to have done but once you've done that, once you've brought those people on, you've empowered them, you love and nurture them. And it, I, most workplaces, it is very hard to say the word love. I just read something um, that, um, uh, that men, um, one of the, the third most difficult thing for men to say, a man to say to another man is, I love you. And if we can't get to the most basic of human elements, 
and give that gift to each other that we also give to ourselves and nurture each other. And we're not talking about romantic love. We're talking about mm-hmm. agape love. Mm-hmm. If we can give that to each other and those we work with and then have a system where people work on their strengths, from a management standpoint, it's one of the easiest things you're ever going to do because great people will take care of themselves. You know, we just don't – I can't remember the last time. It's been years since I had to fire somebody. It's been years since um, anybody left our team for any reason other than we just couldn't get big enough to give them more opportunities. And then in that case, I want to be quoted in there in the press release in the announcement of them leaving because we know we've lost somebody, but we also know that the world's gotten better because we're putting them out into the Mm. world and they're going to change the organization they're joining. Mm. Wow. And I, uh, a point that's really echoing in, in all that you've been saying is just this empowerment um, and this encouragement and support that's nurturing employees, but um, again, just uh, bringing them forward. And I know one of a big term that you that you've coined and are really promoting is always forward, um, which is a, a big part of I, I know through your your content and Southwest Michigan First. Can you can you explain a bit more about this concept? Yeah, I think it, it, I don't think, I know it comes from this idea that um, in working with leaders, particularly senior leaders, we, um, they will come in, we're working, we're talking through their growth, and what we find is a lot of them are unhappy, they're just discontented, um, in a lot of cases it's manifesting themselves and itself in bad decisions, yeah. inappropriate decisions, And when we dig down to why, my analogy is they're in a cul-de-sac. You can be in the best neighborhood in America. The houses are beautiful. The grass is all green. The asphalt is black. And you're driving the most beautiful, wonderful car around and around in a cul-de-sac. You can put a lot of miles on that car. But in the end, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are in cul-de-sacs in our leadership. We don't know where we want to go, so it's safe to stay in the pretty neighborhood Mm -hmm. driving around in the cul-de-sac. Even if the neighborhood's not so pretty, it's safe because we know exactly where we're going and exactly what's going to happen, and the world never changes. But that's not what we were put on the world to do. Our job as leaders, whether that's in marketplace, the not-for-profit, faith-based, local government, or education, Our job as leaders is to go forward, to take ourselves forward and to create a wake so our organization has gone forward. So where I have leaders who come in and clearly they're stuck in this cul-de-sac and they don't know what to do, it's, okay, what is the forward motion? What's the first thing we can do to move you towards a new direction? And sometimes that first thing to do is stop driving around in a circle. Let's get spend some time in reflection and prayer and meditation, thinking about what do you want? We're back to that what do you want question. And then always moving forward, but never settling to be in that cul-de-sac. And uh, for too many leaders today, both young and old, they're stuck in that cul-de-sac of leadership. And uh, that's not who we are, and it's not going to take our organization to the places we need to go. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that 
when we're when these leaders are stuck in these cul-de-sac positions that um you're that you're seeing uh their strengths or their giftings aren't being used or maybe um they need to to think about using them in a different way or you know is there any kind of trends that you've been seeing and and how this is playing out i think what it comes from is um this in a lot of cases they're incredibly strong and gifted Mm -hmm. but they've achieved the results that they knew to achieve and they were so busy it's the old cliche they were so busy working in the business they didn't have time to work on it Mm -hmm. they were so busy achieving that they never planned next and um and so all of a sudden They've got a great staff who's doing amazing things and they aren't called to do everything in the organization mm-hmm. and they get a little bored. And then the next thing you know, they're online looking at things they shouldn't be or they're shopping for stuff they don't need or they're spending their time at the golf course all the time or they're cheating on their spouse. So they're doing all these behaviors that become self-destructive mm-hmm. all because they don't have a goal of where they're going. And those are the things that give them that endorphin rush, that give them that sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But in fact, um, they're still relevant. They're still amazing. They just don't have goals and understanding of where they want to go. And um, or they're feeling the world moved from them and they didn't adjust. Mm -hmm. So it really is about understanding what your needs, wants and desires are and building a plan and a strategy to execute around those um, and getting out of, of the rut of your own leadership and leading exactly what you were created to do. Hmm. A lot of people that are listening to this podcast now are serving or leading in some capacity, whether it's in a ministerial role um, within the church or you know, a, a Christian or faith-based organization or are um, or in in the work in, in the marketplace, uh, leading a team or are emerging into uh, into leaders. Is there any practical steps that uh, that we haven't discussed already that you'd uh, that you'd recommend that these folks take? Um, you know, the first thing I guess two areas is emerging leaders is um, you know uh, let's take that fifty year old leader first. So you know mm-hmm. me. Um, if you don't have mentors that are a decade older than you and two or three decades younger than you, it's going to be very difficult for you to um, to move forward, to stay relevant, to feel great about your leadership. So for those senior leaders out there that have been in the leadership a long time, get yourself a mentor, not a mentee, a mentor who's a generation younger than you, and ask them, have a specific plan about what you want to learn, whether it's technology, whether it's cultural issues, whether it's thought process. I'm telling you the 20-somethings in the workforce today are amazing. These young men and women are incredible with their drive and their knowledge and their, their willingness to change the world and to be part of them keeps us all younger. Now, for me, that's my biggest fear is I don't want to get old. I can age, but I don't mm. want to get old. Mm. I want to stay relevant and impactful and influential and having somebody younger 
to mentor me is incredibly important. For those leaders that are, are building their leadership journey, it's um, you have to become your own HR department, which means nobody's going to tell you what you need to learn. Nobody's going to tell you that you, here's what your career path has to be. Ignorance is your enemy. And you've got to learn and study, and not just in your own industry. You know, um, I found myself 15 years ago looking around to say, um, in not-for-profit world, who are the best organizations to study uh, that are having impact, influence, and they're really doing amazing things. And this is before Tom's Shoes existed, before Warby Parker, before this social good mm -hmm. world existed. And what we found, it was high-growth churches were doing the most amazing work in their communities, in building quality and setting new higher standards. But they were doing that not because they were copying the old 100-year-old church down the street, but because they were embracing change in how things were presented and the way you know, they got away from the what felt old and they brought it up. They didn't change their love of Christ any. They just changed how they presented it. And so we know that to stay relevant, that's what we have to do. But it's pretty easy to get comfortable in that cul-de-sac in the beautiful neighborhood with the green grass. And so we've got to constantly challenge mm -hmm. and change our best every day mm -hmm. if we really want to be relevant. Mm. Wow, that's great, and I know, um, kind of build, building on building on what you're what you're saying right now. Um, there's, I think, in particular, as just in in this season, there's people that will uh, be graduating, obviously May, June, um, from college or maybe from a master's degree or postgraduate degree, and they're um, not necessarily maybe stepping into a leadership uh, position, but are learning to navigate the, the the workforce and are stepping into uh, to a new a, a new kind of uncharted territory. Um, can you can you is there a, a few words of advice or encouragement that you would offer for for these for this this population these these young graduates? So I think don't try to be a fake um, you. Mm -hmm. um, the the world already has a Kim Kardashian. They don't need somebody else trying to be Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. The world already has enough people who are doing what they're doing, but the world lacks you being amazing. Mm -hmm. They lack you embracing your unique thoughts, your unique talents, and building upon those. Now, that's scary because being amazing is a scary thing. You know, in athletes, we applaud people who are out in front of the crowd. In business and in the faith world, we go, oh, well, just blend in. Just be one of the crowd. And uh, But the reality is that's what average or below average is about. And, I, you know, I get up every day with the belief that God didn't put me on this planet to underutilize mm -hmm. the gifts I was given. He put me on this planet. I, You know, I look at the story of the talents, the parable of the talents, maybe in slightly a different way, in that if you took the talents and you didn't think of them as money, but you thought of them as the gifting that you'd been given. Now, that means some people were given bigger gifts. Some people were given lesser gifts. But in the parable, they don't. You, the, the, peop, the one who gets in trouble doesn't get in trouble 
for having less gifts, they get in trouble for not using their gifts, using their talents. Mm -hmm. And so take whatever talents you have and maximize those. That's what you're called to do. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think if you if you want to be a change maker, you have to do something different, um, as, you, right. as you mentioned. And uh, it's exciting that there's this uh, this 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 generation, I think, where where we are now in trying to stay relevant. We have to adjust the, the presentation, the, the, the method of communication, not that our our love for change or our love for Christ isn't. It is not is not changing, but it's it, the way that we're presenting it is is taking on new forms that are staying relevant, adapting, and are as you had mentioned are, are creating growth um, in you know churches or in, in business and, and so forth. Great. Absolutely. Um, well, Ron, it's been a pleasure having you on the Guys Like Us podcast today. I just want to know where people can find you, the work that you're doing, and just stay up to date with with um, all. Uh, with your books and, and so forth. Yeah, so the easy way is ronkitchens.com, and I'm Ron Kitchens on all the social media except uh, Instagram, and I'm ron.kitchens. Apparently, we were slow getting that um, <laughs> taken care of, but, uh, but ronkitchens.com gets you everything, or uniquelyyoubook.com uh, will, will take you to the new book. Great. 